Welcome to the Book Smarts Business Podcast. Conversations with business expert authors to learn about the author, their expertise, and to help you find your next read. And now, here's your host, best-selling author and CEO of Influence Network Media, Jody Brandsetter. Jeff, welcome to the Book Smarts Business Podcast. I'm so excited to talk to you about Three Wise Monkeys. But before we dive into the book, tell us a little bit about you and what you do. Sure. Actually, I'm an independent consultant focused on research and consulting, helping businesses improve their marketing message and helping companies understand their audience and their competition. But the biggest thing I do is work closely with Clarity Research and Strategy and Dennis Devlin. And we've kind of partnered up and we've been working together for years and years and years, both in an informal capacity and in a formal capacity. So that's what I do. I just try to understand people and why they do what they do. I love that. I feel like everyone should learn what people feel (laughs) all the time. Now, this is your second book with Dennis. I know you guys are two-time authors together. So would love to know one, you know, why you all like writing together and two, why did you decide to write both books? Well, I'll answer the first one, why we like to write books together. Dennis and I are a match that comes along very rarely. I'm a little bit undisciplined, pretty creative, but a pretty unfocused. I love to tell stories. And so our meetings, we have to actually factor in. Matter of fact, when we have meetings, a lot of times we'll say, okay, 15 minutes for stories. And so we just start talking and then at the 15 minute mark, that's it. Now we have to focus. But he is very much more disciplined than I am. And he's an incredibly passionate guy. And so he keeps me from just going nuts over where you wouldn't be able to understand what the uh, book was really about. And hopefully I bring to the table some creativity and some unusual uh, kind of out of the mainstream kind of thinking. And we do that without, you know, you would think there'd be a lot of conflict. Somehow we do it with very little conflict. I think we both respect each other's talents and gifts. Now, the two books, the first book we wrote together focused on innovation. And really the core theme of both books are very similar. We started with innovation and talking about how important it is to understand the end user of innovation and how you can do that and why that is so important. That book was called Overcoming the Innovation Killers, and it's available on Amazon as well. The most recent book that just went to a bestseller status here recently, it's called Three Wise Monkeys, and it is focused on really three core elements of understanding the audience and what really brings success to companies. And usually they've forgotten one of these when you see a company is in decline. And it's understanding, first of all, the audience and what motivates them and what they're trying to accomplish. Then understanding the competition. A lot of companies do that, but they forget the others. And then lastly, making sure once you have all that, you're able to communicate with integrity and honesty. So in other words, you're sharing your message. This all presupposes that you've built a product that actually works. And so if you want your product to get out there, you have to speak in their language to their problem more so than the competition. And that's what we're really passionate about. I love that. And I also love how you tied it to the three wise monkeys. And was that your creative spin, Jeff? Was that something you brought to the table? Because I thought that was super creative. That was all Dennis. He brought that and I was like, this is 
Perfect. Yeah. Usually I'm the one bringing the wacky idea, but we were sitting in our regular meeting and he said, what do you think about having it built around these Japanese three wise monkeys? And we talked about it a little bit and how it fits perfectly. The idea of see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil, and how you could really align that with saying, you've got to see the audience, you've got to hear the competition, and then you've got to speak with integrity. And it was a perfect fit the way it all went together. So Dennis brought that to the table and I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, and I love how you continue to put the monkeys throughout the book and have them as part of like the graphics. It was just a really fun way to, I think, incorporate not just in the title and the book cover, but that you continued the monkey journey throughout the book. Yeah, we were talking yesterday in our meeting that we are going to be known as the monkey guys. And so I would not be surprised if we don't write a book again sometime. And I got a feeling it's going to have something to do with monkeys. It's going to be either King Kong or Curious George or something monkey related because this was such a perfect fit. And this will probably be part of our brand forever. Okay, I'm going to give you an idea, Jeff. I think it should be something with bananas and how slippery, you know, it is like something, you know what I mean? Like obviously banana monkey, but then I'm also thinking about like the slippery slope companies go when they start going away from their values. You know, I think you could spin that around. Yeah, that's a good idea. You know what? Uh, I think it was Picasso that said, if you steal from one artist, it's theft. If you steal from a lot of artists, it's inspiration. So I'll consider that inspiration and just... I'll take take it. it. (laughs) Yes, yes. I love that. But it is. It's such a fun book. It's an easy read, which I personally love because I don't get to read very often. If I do, it's, you know, my child's books. So it was so nice to be able to sit down and really just within a couple hours get so much, you know, wealth of information. And there was a couple of stories or kind of like case studies, I guess, that you guys put in there. Is there one that you would like to share that kind of helps us understand kind of the meaning of maybe one of those three? concepts? Yeah, I'm tempted to do the one that's about Procter & Gamble, but everybody uses them. One of my favorites uh, really is, and they started advertising on television, so you may have heard of them, Bombas, B-O-M-B-A-S. And uh, they're selling clothing now, but when they first started, they were selling nothing but socks. And every time you bought a pair of socks, they gave a pair of socks away. Now, one of the things that's very interesting about that is what they understood about both their audience and the competition is they understood there was something to developing in the emerging cultures, so the millennials and the generation following that, where there is a different view of what value means. When I was young, and this may be showing how old I actually am, value was nothing more than price. And so that's why way back, even before me, Kmart had the blue light special, which was, you know, temporarily dropping a price drastically so people would buy and people would keep an eye out for it. And it was all about price. And I mean, I remember buying clothing that I know was made in Taiwan. I didn't really know anything about whether or not 12-year-old children were the ones manufacturing it. Likely it was the case. But in the emerging generation, the question has been asked, can you do well while doing good? Can you make a profit while doing the right thing? And we called it, at the time, we called it the millennial value map. And that's in the book, actually, and explained in the book. And it's really the idea that what they ask first is, will you do no harm? So 
fine, give me a great deal, but don't do any harm to other people while you're doing it. And now it's even progressed to not only don't do harm, the passive side, but the active side, do some good. And you see other brands that are now really picking up on this. And this was clearly a listening to the audience, an understanding that the audience was changing and the definition of a good deal was different today than it was in generations past. It is very interesting when you see that concept because it kind of immediately shows your values as an organization. If you're willing to gift the same product that you're having your consumer buy. Yeah. And I don't know the people at Bombas. I don't know if they started by saying, we want to do good. How can we do it? Let's start a business. Or if they started a business and said, but we have a responsibility to do good as well. I don't know how it started and it doesn't really matter. But what matters most is that you develop a reputation and there's other brands that have done that. There was a shoe brand that did that. I heard them speak at a conference and from day one, they said their goal was to supply the homeless with the potential to have shoes every time that you bought a pair of their shoes. And you see this all the time now with brands. If they're considering it PR, then they're violating the third principle. They're not speaking honestly. They're speaking with evil. But it's got to be more than PR. It's got to be something that is at the very core of the company. A great company in Cincinnati, it's a perfect illustration of that, is Nehemiah. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of them, but they do the coolest thing. They buy brands that companies like P&G, they're not big enough. You know, P&G thinks in terms of the billion dollar brand. So a brand that makes, you know, $10 $10 million, $20 million a year isn't big enough for them to even worry about. They find change in the couch that equals that amount. But they started hiring people that had gotten out of prison and that became one of their core values. They call themselves a second chance company. And I had lunch with the CEO about 10 years ago, I guess it was now. And we talked at length about the fact that it really all started when somebody just said, hey, would you be willing to hire someone that just got out of prison? And they did. And it was such a positive experience that they made at a core value of the company. I think that you kind of hit it right on the head about it has to be a part of the values that the company represents. It can't, like you said, be that PR where it's like, okay, I'm just going to donate to this organization, but there's no connection between what me or the business or employees believe or feel. We're just doing it because we think we have to. Yeah. And that's where we talk about honesty being the path to a company brand clarity. And all of this ladders up to this idea of having a culture that's focused on clarity and the message going out is driven by clarity. The message you're hearing from your customer base that's marked by clarity and what you know about the competition is marked by clarity. And really one of the core principles that I don't want to neglect saying is that we think in terms of clarity as not being something you do, it's something you are. So getting insights isn't a project that you do once a year. You've got to have people within your organization that are almost irritating because they're always asking why, you know, why does the customer do that? Why is our competition making a change? Why are sales going down or sales going up? Why does our message say that instead of this? That's the kind of people I like to work around. And it's weird. It's hard to describe them. But when you meet one of them, you know, because they are infinitely curious and driven by clarity all the time about everything. 
So something that I've had kind of like an aha moment, I want to say maybe a couple weeks ago as a recruiter by trade and as an entrepreneur who, you know, works with people or potentially would hire people to work with or whatever, I've realized that something that's one of my core values that I need in everyone that I work with is curiosity because that gives you those why people like, why does this work? Or I'm just curious, why are we using this system and not looking at another system? Maybe we should at least poke around and see if there's a better system out there. You know, I feel like having those people on your team helps keep you kind of on the top of what's going on in your industry. It keeps you ready to change or shift when you need to. It just really keeps your company in a spot where you always are at least interested to know what's going on. Yeah, I think it's chapter four, where we talk about the path to customer clarity. We talk about building a curious tribe. And one of the things we talk about is that it has to be widely known within your organization that curiosity is encouraged, rewarded, and the opposite of curiosity is really, I don't want to sound like a mean person, but really lack of curiosity is just a path out the door of the company. It's got to be understood that you get raises because you're curious. You get promotions because you're curious, or you get hired because you're curious and truly curious, not just curious at one time. So one of the things I always told people when I worked for an agency called Curiosity, interestingly, I used to tell people that when you're interviewing, make sure you ask, what do you read? What are your hobbies? What intrigues you? What's the most amazing fact you've learned in the last 30 days about anything? Doesn't have to be related to the job. The questions like that, because if somebody is curious about other things, you know they're truly curious. And so if all of a sudden they say, I am fascinated by blowing glass and I've actually taken three classes and I'm now regularly making things out of glass because glass blowing fascinates me. Well, that's nothing to do with the job, but boy, is that something that indicates this person's driven by curiosity to the point that they take action on it. I love that because I want to say it was another podcast. I was talking about this curiosity piece and they're like, well, have you figured out how to interview about that yet? And I'm like, no, I haven't really thought that deep, but I love these questions that you're asking Jeff, because they are, these are things that are going to help companies be able to understand not only if they're going to be curious in their current role, but you're also getting to know them a little bit better to be like, well, that's very unique. For example, if you decide to do glass blowing, right? What you're doing there is you're laying the foundation for a culture of clarity as we talk about it. Because to me, curiosity is the precursor to clarity. So if I'm curious, I ask questions. And if I ask questions and get answers, I then have developed clarity. And we zero it in and focus it on understanding your customer. But it's really true of any aspect of really any business. It goes hand in hand with the employees, understanding your employees just as well as understanding your mm -hmm. customer. But as an employee myself, being able to understand my manager, you know, like there's so many relationships with people in an organization that if you can be curious and then have that clarity, it really helps your communication be smoother. You know, kind of how to present ideas to others. It's just, it's overall going to help the organization be more successful. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Jeff, I really appreciate you hanging out with me today and talking about Three Wise Monkeys. Before we finish up, you know, what's the best way for the audience to connect with you and where can they buy the book? 
Okay, well, they can connect directly with me at me at jeffjones.com. Also, they can find out more about Clarity, the company, at clarity-us.com. And the best way to get the book, the easiest way, so we don't have to use one of those complicated Amazon links, is to just go to threewisemonkeysbook.com. There's a button there. It tells a little more about the book, and there's a button there where they can just click through right to Amazon and get the book. And big news is I just uploaded all the audio files yesterday for the audiobook. So that should be out in about 10 days here. Oh, Within fantastic. 10 days. You never know how long Amazon takes. You know, 10 plus 30. You never know. I yeah, agree. I, yeah, it could be 24 hours or it could be a month. Who knows? <laughs> well, Jeff, thank you so much. We will add all that to the episode notes, but we really appreciate you being a part of the Book Smarts Business Podcast. Well, thank you very much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to the Book Smarts Business Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the show and share this episode with a friend. In the meantime, join our business author community where you can connect with other business authors and learn about becoming an author at authors.influencenetworkmedia.com. Until next time.